Hello listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their careers or in transition or possibly feeling stuck and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone. That everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times of feeling stuck. Today, I'm very excited to be interviewing David Harriman. Hello, David. Hello, Kathy. And uh, David and I met through uh, a master network group, gosh, almost three years ago. And, at least. At least, yeah. And David is a independent home and auto insurance broker, and he happens to be my independent home and auto insurance broker as well. So, and he's got a fascinating story. Well, I'm calling it fascinating because I thought I found it super interesting. So, welcome, David. Let's hello. Uh, let's get started with the uh, the icebreaker questions because we want to find out where you grew up. Uh, how many siblings you have and where you are in the birth order and how that maybe influenced you as a young person turning into an adult. Got it. Um, so don't, I'm, I'm glad this is a video call, so you can't throw anything at me when you find out that I was born in California. Um, so yeah, I grew up in, in California and kind of mostly LA County. Um, but my parents were divorced, so for junior high, I moved up to Northern California with my mom for a bit, and I am the youngest of three, so I have two older sisters, uh, and then I also, my dad, when my dad remarried, um, he, the, the lady he married had three kids of her own, so uh, we ended up, I, with, I was the youngest, of the six of us and I had two older sisters or I have two older sisters. I have two older stepbrothers and an older stepsister. So we were often referred to as the Bradley bunch because there were a total of three boys and three girls, even though it wasn't like the dad had the three boys, but yeah. So um, that was kind of the deal. And yeah, I lived in uh, Northern California for a bit. And then I, at the end of eighth grade, I realized that a lot of my friends were getting involved in just drugs and things like that. And I called my dad and just asked if I could move down to live with him, even though he and I weren't, uh, we didn't have a very good relationship. And so it took some convincing, but I basically just, you know, begged him to let me move down there with him just because even though I had a very loving mom, she was not, uh, she wasn't strict. She was very interested in being the cool parent and I didn't need the cool parent. I was doing terrible in school. I had basically failed seventh grade, but my principal liked me and he let me move on to eighth grade. And then I basically failed eighth grade and it was a new principal who liked me and was going to let me go on to ninth grade. Um, and I was pretty sure I was gonna fail ninth grade and it just, it was it was not gonna end well. And um, yeah, my mom just, she wasn't a great student. 
and she didn't really care that I wasn't a great student and I needed somebody that would kind of force me to to do those things. Um, so as much as my mom and I got along great, uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I knew I needed to change, have a change of scenery. So uh, after a couple months of the summer after eighth grade, I was able to talk my dad into letting me move down to Southern California to live with him and my stepmom. And once we, once I moved in with them, I had to, I had to go to a private school because they didn't want me going to a public school in LA. And um, yeah, so I started going to school. And so yeah. by ninth grade, I was a B minus average student. And then, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade, um, each, each grade got progressively better. And uh, yeah, so I ended up doing okay in high school after basically bombing my way through junior high. Right. Wow. But it's a pretty mature move on your part to recognize you were not on a successful path. I mean, you, I mean, that's in, and you took the hard way out. Yeah. I, I've, I've always, uh, like, I'm finally now to an age where I'm friends with people that are my own age, but no, just, um, I don't know what it was. Ever since I was pretty young, like, even when I'd go to friends' houses, I always, I always went to my friends' houses to hang out with my friends' parents, and I always just seemed to get along better with, uh, older people. So I don't know if it was, I, I don't know that it was necessarily that I was so smart when I was in eighth grade. It was more that I was around my friend's parents who knew what was going on in my life. And so I think that they had kind of helped me see, um, see things through their, their lens. So yeah, I don't think I can take full credit for going, uh, for making those, for coming to those uh, decisions on my own, like people, uh, people that weren't my parents, like sort of helped me uh, make make that decision. So, yeah, I don't know. Wow, but that yeah, that's still a pretty big decision. So, what um, did you? Were you playing sports, or did you have any positive habits other than? <laughs> Um, so, so no, junior high, definitely no sports. Um, I had, I, I was more interested in the color of my hair and the number of piercings I could have. So I had, I had two eyebrow rings, a whole bunch of earrings, a mohawk that was blue, uh, actually it was a double mohawk. And yeah, that was junior high. I was, I was just, so interested in, you know, making sure that anybody who was around me thought I was weird, that uh, that was like my priority. And then once I moved to Southern California to live with my dad, um, that wasn't the priority anymore. So like that kind of went away. And I don't know, I got, I started playing music, uh, just guitar and bass and a little bit of piano um and but no no sports my school that I went to was very small um 
there were 11 students in my graduating class. So we did not have, we didn't have any sports teams or anything like that. So yeah, just, I, and also I worked, I worked most of high school. So after, after school, I would typically um, be going to work for a couple hours after school before going home. Ah, so that would keep you out of trouble, so to speak. And <laughs> yeah, and my my uh, my dad, he's an he's an attorney, and he's an econ major, and he his deal with me was basically if if he heard me say this, he might disagree, but the way it felt in high school anyways was he was paying for school. He was giving me room and board and that was pretty much it. Um, most of the clothes that I bought, I had to buy myself. And then anything, anytime we went out to eat, usually even if I went out to eat with my dad, um, if we weren't eating at home, I was paying for my meal. So it was, um, I had to have, I had to work if I wanted to do anything outside of the house ever. So yeah, the, the working part wasn't to stay out of trouble. It was definitely, um, yeah, definitely just to make money. Wow. Okay. And so what kind of jobs did you have then at that? So the in ninth grade, I started working for a company called Thermoview, which was, I did door-to-door -door sales, um, selling doors and windows. Though I didn't, I never even booked a single appointment. I did it for about, oh, maybe four or five months. And I was the only person there without a criminal record. Everybody else that worked there, um, they were all ex-cons or yeah, ex-convicts. Um, and they they were mostly in their early 20s, all gang affiliated. I was not at all any of those things, but it's just the job I ended up getting. And so, yeah, that's why I was saying, I, I don't think I was doing that job because my dad worried about keeping me out of trouble because I was finishing, I was finishing school and then I was going uh, and driving around in a van full of uh, ex-gang gang members uh, and then selling doors and windows. So it, he didn't, he didn't know that part about them being, you know, uh, gangsters or anything like that. So it was, it was an entertaining. Mm, okay. And well, so that, that was, that was ninth grade. So that was the ninth grade and then the summer after ninth grade. And then um, a girl that I went to school with her, she worked for a school uniform company. So, and that was just a retail job and she was able to get me a job there. So then I started working for a school uniform place and I worked there, I want to say a couple days a week after school. So I'd take the bus there starting basically in 10th grade. And I worked at that school uniform place for pretty much all of high school. And then on the weekends, I would work there on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm. Wow. So and young in the I was just going to say, 
you can edit this out if it's uh, not appropriate. But uh, working at a school uniform store in the San Fernando Valley, which happens to be the adult film star uh, capital of the world, uh -oh. um, a lot of the people who came in were not buying school uniforms to go to school in. So, yes. There were a lot of actresses coming in to buy their school uniforms. Interesting. Yes. Only in California, right? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. Okay, we're going to shift gears here just a little bit. On a um, fun meter scale of one to five, one being couch potato, five being the life of the party, where do you put yourself? Um, I like to talk. So if it's a party that's not very loud, I I like to be I like to think of myself as a as a four, and um, that's only if everything's being done by the books. Uh, I'm definitely a one on the fun meter. If people are wanting to break the rules, I I pretty much will always sit any of that stuff out, and I I always for the most part, I always have. So uh, yeah, it can be a total party pooper um, unless people are, you know, following the rules, then uh, then I'm all game for it. Okay, so that might lead into the next question then on the, on the risk meter, where are you on a scale of one to five? One being I'm low, five I'm an insurance agent. I am as risk averse as they come. So uh, a one, a two, I mean, I've I've bought a ticket to go see a movie, and then I think one time I went and snuck into a second movie, and that I was I was so worried about getting called out by somebody that worked at the movie theater that I was like, I can't ever do this again. And that was that was with my mom. I was with my mom. She's the one that did it, and I just remember the whole time I was just like, the thought of how humiliated I would be if I were caught sneaking into that second movie. Um, it just wasn't worth it. I would have been so much happier had I just paid to go see that second movie. You could enjoy it then. You didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, uh, so that's interesting. So maybe it's no wonder that uh, you're an insurance agent then. But uh, so tell us a little bit about what it's like to be uh, an independent home and auto insurance broker. And then we'll get into, and how did I get here? We have a little glimpse, but there, I, I know there's more. Right. Um, it's, it's good. Um, I'm the only insurance agent who I know that is in this field by choice. I mean, everybody else I know who's in insurance either kind of fell into it, um, you know, by getting hired into a different like entry level position and then eventually just ending up being an insurance agent um, or, you know, their second generation or third generation insurance agent where it's just been handed down through the family. Um, that's just a really common way people end up becoming insurance agents. Um, sorry, what was the exact question though? Just what is it like being an insurance oh, agent? Oh, right. Uh, so 
it's it's now pretty fun to be an insurance agent. The first several years, it wasn't all that fun because I was so worried about uh, being perceived as professional, uh, especially because I was really young when I started, that it made it hard for me to be myself. And I'm a kind of goofy guy. And I I felt like I couldn't actually act the way that I was, uh, the way that I wanted to, just because it would come across as, you know, unprofessional, which would then cost me clients. And when I was first getting started, I, I needed so many clients that um, I couldn't afford to lose any. And now over the past few years, I've just decided that, you know, I'm going to be who I am. And if some clients don't like that, that's okay. Like if our personalities aren't a fit. Um, and it's been really good because most of the clients I have, like I really like talking to them. So a lot of insurance agents think of their job as being really boring, but I don't. Um, I like when, when my phone rings, since I, most of the clients I have are people that I really like dealing with. It's, it's almost like I just get to talk to friends all day, which is great, you know, and that's not, that's not the position a lot of insurance agents are in because they just, you know, they try to be a one size fits all and they take in, oh, let's, my phone made noise again. There we go. Uh, that's not the position a lot of insurance agents are in because so many of them just try to be everything to everybody. And so they end up with a lot of clients that they don't like dealing with, which makes it difficult for them to enjoy their jobs. And I think that's the case for just a lot of people in different fields too, is that they are just willing to work with anyone and everyone. And then it makes them almost, it makes it hard to appreciate their clients. So I, yeah, now, now I really enjoy my job. It's fun. I get to laugh with my clients. I like making goofy videos for work and I don't know. It's fun. I like it. Well, I think that's why I was drawn to you when we met at the networking group was how you were an insurance agent with a personality. Uh, you could explain it in a way that um, the stuff I needed to know that it, you know, wasn't the stuff I didn't need to know. Um, so anyway, so I appreciate that you are who you are. <laughs> Because that's what, again, so, and by the way, uh, those of you listening will not be able to see David, but he does not have the blue mohawk, double mohawk anymore. He looks, uh, he looks very much like an Yeah. <laughs> so David, let's talk about how did I get here? How did, you know, when you were younger, we already heard a little bit about up to ninth and 10th grade. How did you decide you wanted to get into insurance? Um... So I actually didn't want to be an insurance agent. I wanted to be a contractor. Um, I like to build things. Even now, that's what I spend most of my free time doing is building cabinets and furniture and, and building a playhouse for my kids right now. I love I love building things. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to be a general contractor. Um, and, and that's from the time I was fairly young. So even though my dad was an attorney, he never did well financially, at least not when I was going to school. You know, everybody thinks, cause I went to a private school. That means that 
my parents were rich. They they weren't. Um, even before I had that other job, I part of my tuition was paid by me. Sorry, back up. The school that I went to high school at, I also had gone to that same school from first grade to sixth grade. So, oh, um, okay. so I'd gone there from first grade to sixth grade. I moved away for two years when I was living with my mom, and then I came back for ninth through twelfth grade. And first through sixth grade, uh, after school, I would work at the school, uh, cleaning and things like that to help pay a portion of our tuition, just because my dad was an attorney, but it was just a salaried position, and he didn't do terribly well financially. So I grew up with him where life was comfortable-ish um, financially, but then I also lived with my mom who just lived paycheck to paycheck and we would have the power cut we'd have the water cut uh we would you know we pretty much lived off of fast food which now as an adult i look back and go how did we pay for that but we couldn't pay for the electrical electric bill or whatever um you know and we never we never filled a gas tank ever as far as i can remember it was always like 10 bucks in the gas tank you know it's just or five bucks or whatever um and so i had lived that life since i was really young and it was just so again i'm very risk averse and i don't like having just unknowns floating out there and even when i was young it it really just weighed on me that like I never knew I never knew if things were going to be able to get paid for you know it was, it was so weird so when I was young I wanted to make sure I didn't end up in that position and my my friend's stepdad um, was a mentor to me and he was a general contractor he was the most successful person that I knew and so I grew up at my friend's house uh, i spent a lot of time there and i just remembered it was there was so much peace that came with being with their family um even though they weren't perfect and they fought and they argued and all of that but they at least had the financial side of it taken care of um and that was just so foreign to me because even this really small private school i went to it wasn't a bunch of rich kids. Most, it was, I was, it was a school tied to a, a church and pretty much everyone in that church, regardless of what their income was, they sent their kids to this really small private school. So most of my friends' parents that I went to school with didn't, didn't make money uh, really. So I, I'd grown up with the exception of this one friend and his stepdad who they were not related to my school at all. Everyone else I grew up with came from families that were always really struggling financially. And so um, when I spent time with this other family and there's and the stepdad, they were very successful financially. He was a general contractor and I decided this is the life that I want. Like I want, I want this, you know, when I have kids. And so I spent a lot of time with them. I started working a little bit. I never worked for him full time, but I would do odd jobs for him, cleaning up job sites and things like that. And 
my plan was to go to school, uh, graduate high school, go to school, get a degree in accounting, because um, I did want a degree. So I was thinking, all right, I'll get a degree in accounting and then, and then go into carpentry or construction or something like that and learn that business. Uh, so that was my plan. And while I was going to school for um, for accounting, I kind of then told this plan to my friend's stepdad. His name was Richard. Is Richard, and um, I said, "Hey, Rich, like I wanted, you know, I'm getting this degree in accounting. I want to, I want to come work for you and learn the business." Um, and you know, I want to be you when I grow up. And it was like, it's like, great. You always come to me for advice, but you've never asked me if I think that you should be a general contractor, you know, if you should actually do what I do. I was like, okay, well, do you? And he said, he said, no, I wouldn't even be this again if I could start over. Um, he's like, if I could start over, I would be an insurance agent or in credit card processing. It's like, what? He's like, it's it's recurring revenue. Um, you know, once you get a client, it's it's not like selling a house where you get just a big commission, you know, with insurance you don't make a lot off any one client, but as long as you do a good job with your clients, you keep them for years and years and years. And so over the course of a decade, a client is, you know, worth a lot because you're making that commission year after year um, on the same client. And so he basically just pointed out that in construction, he's always having to worry about where that next job comes from. Um, whereas his friends who were insurance agents or had credit card processing businesses um, didn't have those same worries that he did. And he'd always wished that he'd gone that route instead. So he told me that and I then went and started taking classes to get my insurance license. And then I became an insurance agent while I was going to school um, and I worked for a corporate insurance company in a call center, and I knew I did not want to work the corporate side of insurance at all. So um, eventually I started building my own book of business, um, which is probably going to be somewhere else in, in this list of questions, but I started building my own book of business. Um, which was pretty terrifying because I had to forego any sort of salary or anything like that. And um, I, well, I'll, I'll save that part for a little later on because okay. I know that you asked something on that. I do have a question about, um, you like you said you like to build, you have this vision, you thought, you know, that feels like when he tells you that, that would be almost like a dream buster and could be a real hit to your your plan on life. And so how did you, re I mean, what was it like to hear that? Um, he did a pretty good job of basically saying, you know, painting a realistic picture that like, as a, once, once you're doing something you love as your job, you're not 
doing it <laughs> you're not doing it for yourself anymore you're doing it for other people and so you're really dependent on the client that you are working with right so even if you're building a beautiful house for a client if your client is a complete psycho you're now stuck dealing with this psycho for the next year and it doesn't matter how beautiful the house is you'll never be able to enjoy it because so much of it is dependent on this client um and he pointed out that like sure when i was when i was talking to him i was i wasn't married i didn't have kids so I had all the time in the world to spend working and going and looking at roof leaks that might spring up on a Saturday um, or in the middle of what should be a vacation. But he pointed out that once I had kids in the future, um, I wouldn't have all of this free time. And he's basically a, a slave to his business and he has clients, even ones that are fantastic, who anytime anything goes wrong with their house, they're calling him and he's having to respond, whether he's on vacation or whatever. He's he's always on call 100% of the time. Uh, and what he always said to me, which I don't care about sports, so this wasn't the best, uh, I don't know if an analogy is not the right word, but um, he would always say to me, Someday you're going to have kids, and if you can go to all of their soccer games, that's going to be worth a lot more for, for you than necessarily loving everything you do at your job. And I don't even like soccer, so I don't know why that worked on me, because <laughs> the thought of going to a soccer game sounds miserable. Um, yeah. But he basically just assured me that once I had kids, my priorities would change, and having flexibility would far outweigh uh, enjoying my day-to-day -day activities within work, which was really hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, but again, he's he's just always been a very practical, logical person. And I knew plenty of people who'd followed their hearts um, to do what they'd always dreamt of doing who weren't happy doing those jobs either. Um, so I, I just decided to, you know, trust his advice and go with it. And it worked out. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that because one of the things I try not to do in my podcast is have people give advice because it seems like most people don't, listen to advice, right? I mean, especially as a young person, most of the time, it seems like you almost do opposite of what people are recommending or saying. I've, I've had several interviews where people are like, yeah, my parents wanted me to go into X, but I wasn't going to do that. So I went into Y. Guess what? Now I'm into X. And, uh, you know, and they're admitting it later. But, you know, there was this resistance to, yeah, you know, listening to someone else. They really wanted to follow their own uh, either their own dream or their own idea about what they wanted to do. But you really took this to heart. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, it was because it was coming from somebody who, you know, I wanted, I, I wanted to be, I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to be like him. Um, and, you know, as much as, 
I loved both of my parents, neither of them were at a spot in their lives where I was like, oh, I want to be like that someday. So yeah, had my parents been giving me any career advice, I don't think I would have listened to any of it because I didn't want I didn't want either of their lives. So it just wasn't, you know. So even though my dad's always been very supportive of me, he's never been somebody to just give advice. If I ask for advice, he will provide his viewpoint, but it's it's he's never been somebody to try to force his views onto me, which I appreciate. So but it, I think the big difference here is you were you were very much looking for well, what's next for me. So you were curious, but you were also open to ideas, but you had a high degree of express, uh, respect and admiration for this person. So that was coming from him. It then carried a lot of weight. It did. And well, the next part will come up somewhere. We'll, we'll come up a little later on. So I'll say this next part, but yeah, <laughs> I had a lot of admiration for him and, uh, yeah, I still do. You know, I still talk to I still talk to him a few times a year, and um, yeah, he's he's a good he's still a general contractor building things, and he's doing fine. But yeah, so he didn't years and go into insurance at a later point. <laughs> no, no. So did you like insurance then? You were, uh, you know, when you were in college, you kind of shifted your you know, your degree, or I guess you started taking courses, you said, to get your license, and then then you went to corporate, new corporate wasn't for you, and then you started your own? Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, so I actually, um, I was working in a corporate environment, in a call center, and I did not like it at all, and there was a pretty low ceiling. I mean, there there wasn't there wasn't much I was going to be able to do on the corporate side was it that was at all what I was interested in. I learned really early on that the bureaucracy associated with like the corporate environment was not something that I could see myself in, nor was it what my end goal had been anyways. My goal was to have an insurance agency. Um, and it's just it's sort of a logistical nightmare to try to create an insurance agency when you have very little experience. Um, and so I worked the corporate job for three years, split between two different jobs, but very similar types of work. Um, and then, you know, by then I was 22 or 23. So obviously I felt like I knew everything. Um, so I quit, yeah, so I, I quit the corporate job and I decided I was going to go off and start my own thing. So I did that, um, except I was making no money. So I was working at Starbucks at night. So I would do, I would do insurance during the day and then I would work at Starbucks at night my dad always said that I worked at Starbucks to support my insurance habit. And he, he was right. I mean, the first two years, the first year, I, including my Starbucks income, I made about negative $10,000. Um, so I had my Starbucks income, 
and then virtually no income coming in off the business, but I had all these expenses related to the business and I racked up a ton of debt, which is not, that is that is not like me. Um, I hate debt. I've been really responsible with, you know, any credit card spending and all that. So then when I went off on my own and I basically was like living off of credit cards, oh man, that was just like a really tough year psychologically. Um, and I don't, rec I don't recommend it. Um, and then for year two, I continued to work at Starbucks, but I was, I was getting some more clients and things like that. And it made it a lot nice, nicer to at least not be going into the hole. Um, I think uh, year two, I was really excited when I did my taxes and realized that I made $10,000 that year. So about a $20,000 swing though, right? So it went from negative 10,000 to, to positive 10,000. I, I felt great. Um, and as far as did I enjoy what I was doing? Um, I didn't enjoy the insurance part, but I enjoyed the the building of it, if that makes sense. So it wouldn't have mattered if I was focused on building an insurance business or if I was focused on building a general contracting business or a carpet cleaning business. It didn't really matter. The part that I enjoyed at the beginning was figuring out the puzzle you know that that's what was fun and so it didn't matter what the business was i enjoyed i enjoyed creating a business even though at the same time that i was enjoying creating this business i was also so anxious and stressed out about um just the unknown, you know, it, I had no clue if it was going to work. I kept feeling like I was on the verge of failure constantly. Um, it, I just, I would go months with very few new clients and I just kept looking back going, man, like no matter, no matter how bad I think I'm going to do like when I do my projections, you know, trying to plan uh, for for the future. I would use numbers, and then I would go back a few months later and look at those numbers and be like, I thought I was being so conservative in my numbers when I would make these projections, and I just did so much worse than I thought that I could have that it was pretty disheartening. So I had. A lot of times, especially in those first two years, um, where as much as I enjoyed it, I also was kind of miserable because I just felt like there was no way this was possibly going to work out. Um, and I don't know why I kept doing it. I had so many times where I, I was ready to throw in the towel and I didn't which is very unlike me because everything else that I'd done leading up till then, uh, you know, whether it was playing instruments or taking lessons or whatever, I never really stuck to much of anything um, in high school or junior high. But for some reason, I just stuck with the insurance thing, even though it was very, very hard. Yeah. Well, is there another route when you uh, think about it at 23? I mean, would it be, have been better to join another 
agency and kind of work your way up that way and mentor or yeah so so i definitely did it about the hardest way possible um yeah in in hindsight i would have been much smarter to just go work with an established agency where i had room to grow into a position of ownership or something like that within the agency um so i really could have learned from people who've done it before and that wasn't wasn't exactly the way that it went i was still uh i didn't create my own agency i was creating my own book of business so i was working with an established agent um but it wasn't it was it was more like i was hanging my shingle there so i was working fairly independently of that office and the person who i was working with there um wasn't they didn't really care whether i failed or succeeded so it wasn't somebody who i could go to you know for a pep talk or or whatever um and in hindsight i think that it would have taken me a lot less time to do well in the insurance business if I would have found somebody that was really willing to mentor me um, to become a good agent. And that wasn't the case. So it was, it was a lot of just, you know, trial and error. Wow. Wow. Well, I admire your persistence. So what was, what was the tipping point that made you keep going? I mean, you said after a year or two, you uh, had the big swing that you made a profit. That oh first yeah. Well, so so I was become easier. <laughs> so yeah. So I I was still ready to quit then um, because by then my wife and I had well okay. So when I was 24, I got married, and you know we were wanting to buy a house, and I still just had not very good income um and she was a nurse so we were relying more on her and i went and i actually applied for a corporate job you know where i would make a lot more than i'd been making and i got offered the job even though it was just one of those things where i was like i know i don't want this i know this isn't what i'm supposed to do um and i I called I called Richard, my mentor, and I was like, I'm still not I'm still not making any money. Like it's just it's it's too hard. I don't know if I can do this. And he had incurred and he was like, Don't take the corporate job. Like you know that it's not gonna last. Don't do it, don't do it. And so I still thought about doing it. Um, but then I got a referral for a client who I didn't know him. I'd never done any business insurance or anything. And it was a guy who was in a bind. He couldn't find anyone who would do his work comp insurance. And I'd never done a work comp policy in my entire life. I knew nothing about it. Um, but I was hungry. And so I said, all right, like, let me see what I can do. So I put tons of work into finding a carrier who would insure this guy's or do this guy's work comp insurance. And I ended up writing the policy 
and I didn't even, I had no clue what the commission on it or anything was, but it ended up being a half million dollar um, work comp policy. And the commission on it was, it was close to $30,000 in commission, which I'd never, I'd never even thought that such a thing could be possible. But the timing on it was I was basically in a position where I was trying to decide whether I wanted this corporate job or not. And then this guy kind of got dropped in my lap out of nowhere. And I was like, holy cow, like, this is crazy. I just, you know, I was able to make $30,000 on one client. This was nuts. Um, and he was the most difficult client I ever had. I, I didn't want to keep him as a client very long because uh, it wasn't worth worth it for the stress, but it bought me enough time to stay in the insurance business longer. Um, and it it's that that one deal kind of got me over the hump because that was definitely where I was the closest to just throwing in the towel, and just kind of out of out of nowhere I got this just infusion of commission that far outweighed what my hundred other clients all combined had made me. Um, so yeah, that got me over the hump and I, I stuck with it. So just good luck there. So it was the universe sending you a message, stick with it. At the same I, time, the universe was sending you the message of, be careful who you work with sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. About, you know, sometimes you don't want to work with just anybody. And there was a reason maybe he was uninsurable or difficult. Right. But, Right, right, yeah. Well, we're we're getting kind of close to having to wrap up here. What um, were, were there some other steps that you took that got to where you are today? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I I would say um, so one of the one of the things that kept coming up it just throughout my first several years in business was I was so bored. Like once. Once everything started working the way it was supposed to, but I was still not just being myself, um, I I was just bored. Insurance was boring. It was just, it was a drag. Um, and Right, you're not building. Right, yeah. The, the building phase was over. Yeah, yeah the honeymoon period was done. And so work was boring. I was bored all the time. Um, and so I would call Richard, mentor guy, and because I, I had periods, even though financially everything was going fine, my boredom was just gnawing on me. And mm -hmm. so I would be like, you know what, I have this business, I can sell it for a pretty decent chunk of change, I could go and do whatever I want, you know. And I kept getting really close to doing that, but before I would do it, I would always call Richard and I'd be like, I am so bored. I'm ready to just cash out and go do something else. And he would say to me, it's like, you don't have kids yet. Like you don't understand. The reason I told you to do insurance or the reason I encourage you to get into insurance is because of how good that industry will be once you have kids he's like, he's like it's not glamorous or anything like that but it's going to be really good once you have kids because you'll have a really flexible schedule and just just trust me don't throw in the towel 
So I swear every six months I was having to call him just for him to tell me the same thing. And, and it worked because every time after I'd call him, I'd be like, okay, that's right. That's why you're in this. And so it, it was this constant struggle. And then it was so funny because once we, once we had our first kid, um, which was five, well, yeah, he'll be five on June 12th. So um, yeah, once we had our first kid, <laughs> like it was like a, a switch got flipped. I did not ever, I, I never cared again about having a boring day or whatever. Like the purpose to me of work had completely changed from like feeling like work needed to be my purpose in life. Um, that went out the window and you know, I know high school graduates hearing this would be like, oh no, you just, you gave in to the man, right? But the reality is like, it was, it was pretty freeing. I was like, it's like, oh, like I can find purpose in all these, all the rest of my life. Like work doesn't have to define me. Like I don't have to be known as the insurance agent, like you know, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a woodworker, I'm a hiker and a backpacker and all of these things. Um, but once I had a kid, I was like, oh, I definitely can't give up the insurance gig, even if it is boring me, because it's this job that's given me the flexibility to do all of the things that I do define myself as which aren't just the insurance agent side and once that happened um by that i mean once having a kid kind of changed my outlook on things and made i didn't realize which i should have um that when i was having to call my mentor every six months to be told to stay in insurance that my mentality uh subconsciously i kind of always had a foot out the door with insurance you know even even though i wasn't leaving it i always in the back of my mind was wanting to leave insurance because it was boring um once i had once i had a kid and realized like oh okay that advice that Richard gave me 15 years ago, well, at the time, 10 years ago, um, now I get it. Like, I, it made me then finally just fully buy in, and I didn't have a foot out the door anymore. Um, and that's finally when, like, it clicked, and I was like, I was like, oh, it's so weird. Now that now that I'm not trying to be defined by my work, I'm suddenly able to enjoy my job far more than I ever did. And I like, I really like what I do now. Whereas the first 10 years, I didn't, I didn't love it, you know? And now I really do, which um, I don't, I don't know what the trick is to make that happen. You know, I don't want to tell everybody that if they just go have a kid, they'll suddenly like their job because everybody's different. But for me, that was, you know, that's, that's what triggered it. And, 
yeah, it was unexpected, but yeah, it worked. Well, you know, what's occurring for me is this, you talked about you were bored and I use the term when people feel stuck, but I wonder sometimes if people don't even know if they're stuck, that they really, they're bored or they're feeling scratchy or they're just feeling unfulfilled. So um, that's kind of where you were, but you're right. Sometimes there is then that, well, I have a foot out the door, I, you know, chasing something there, there's got to be something else, something maybe more interesting. Um, hmm, interesting. And, yeah, there, there were, I mean, again, I really like building things. So I, I just always had this recurring desire to leave insurance and then go into carpentry. Like that's what I always wanted to do. And one of the things that kind of during those 10 years of boredom that helped me stay in it, um, helped me stay in insurance, even though I wanted to go do carpentry was again, at the advice of Richard said, well, if you want to do carpentry, then go get, go get a saw and do carpentry in your free time. You don't need, you don't need that to be your job. And so basically carpentry and just, you know, furniture building uh, was something I did in my free time, it's just a hobby, right? And that that's what was able to help me stay in insurance, even though I was bored um, over the course of those 10 years, which I look back and I just can't believe I actually did 10 years of being bored with it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm very glad that I stuck with it. And big surprise, Richard was right. Now that I have children, like I couldn't think of a better career to be in. It's, I mean, it's just such a good, a good industry to be in for somebody that wants a flexible, um, flexible schedule with, you know, decent income and things like that. So it's, it's been good. Yeah. Well, I, I love your story because it is one of, um, you know, it's, it's not a glamorous industry and maybe doesn't seem like a glamorous job, but it really has created all of the things in your life and your lifestyle that is you, right? I mean, you talked about you didn't want to have financial instability and now you have financial stability, you know, and and you get to do all those great things with your kids and, and all the hobbies that you enjoy, so uh, anyway, so that's that's a great story. So we do need to wrap up. Is there anything else you would uh, kind of share here at the end? Hmm. Uh, I would just say that, you know, if it's if I were to do everything over again, I probably wish that I would have spent would have spent a couple years early on not taking life as seriously as I did. Um, and I don't know. I just, I feel like I had so much pressure to, pressure from myself to like rush out and, you know, build this thing that I could have done it a little later on in life. And I don't know, sometimes I just wonder if I was too serious as a young person. <laughs> and I'm still young and now I'm not serious, but I was, when I was 20, I was like, so, I don't know. I just, I was, I was way too serious. And I kind of wish that I 
hadn't have wasted my early 20s being super serious. I don't know. Mm, interesting. Well, you did mention that as a young person, you gravitated toward, you know, older people anyway, or, you know, the, the, you know, the generation above you. So I don't know, maybe you were just anxious to be that. Now you're that. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I, yeah, this is, I definitely feel the the most comfortable in my skin now than, than I ever have. So that's good. That's really good. Well, and it comes across, I got to tell you, I, I've met you, I think, in your comfort skin mode. Um, right. Yes, you have. Super serious mode, trying too hard. Um, and again, that's, um, I've really enjoyed our uh, business relationship as well as knowing you personally. And I feel like yeah. it's a friend too that I'm talking to about my insurance, not um, my insurance agent. So, right. Well, I do think we need to wrap up. Um, so I guess on that note, we, we, you know, taking ourselves seriously doesn't really do much good on any front. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so thank you, David, for sharing your story. I think it's a, a wonderful story of getting started, of trying to, you know, finding your way and figuring things out, but also, um, you know, being persistent and diligence and uh, and not necessarily going the glamour route, but going the route that works for you. And sometimes that's that's a hard route to take. So. Yeah. Listeners, if you uh, enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe below. Um, if you have any questions for me or for David, you, you can put them on my website, which is lifestorycurator.com, which is also where the other podcasts are posted. And you can also subscribe there, and then you'll be alerted of other uh, podcasts as, they're, um, as they come out each week on Tuesday. So again, David, thank you. And listeners, thank you. have a great day. All right. Talk to you later.